Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here on New Zealand Sports Radio. We're on to episode 40 since our rebrand, yes, uh, for those of you that know Hash Rugby Chat preceded this one for many uh, years, well, a couple of years at least. Anyway, so, but anyway, why, I'm, why am I going down history and memory lane? I've got no idea. Uh, but yes, episode 40. Hi, folks. I'm Paul. I'll be your host this evening. Uh, and joining me, um, we have someone over from the cricket side of things. But hey, he was uh, he was around one of the original guys, but what uh, goes way back uh, on the rugby side. So good to have you back to talk about some rugby for a change last week. Yes, great to be back in memories like the corners of my mind. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the Hash Robbie chat went uh, sort of changed from being a Twitter chat to a, um, a live stream during the Lions tests, the Lions series. Um, so that's that, that's uh, going back a going back nearly four years now. Um, I can't I can't remember how long I've been doing this with you now, man. It's gone <laughs> a bit of a blur. <laughs> a blur. Uh, evening simon in the live chat don't forget folks you can join us in the live chat of for, through facebook youtube or twitter or you can catch the podcast as well we put that recording of the audio um and uh, good evening to boa as well you haven't been around for quite so long but uh, uh at least this year so you, you you'll, be, you'll be coming actually no last year i'm not saying this year this year's hardly anything um so last year during club rugby is where we met and uh, yeah you're, you're now a uh, well fixed in regular on the show Earning the stripes, as they say. So, very good evening to Mr. Paul Edwin Baines, the man in a chief's shirt. And, Ashwin, it's lovely to have you on the show. The man with a paladin. <laughs> Apparently, the right shirt as well. The right. The most updated current sponsor. So, yeah, great <laughs> to be on the show. And, uh, Simon Hughes, always nice to see the regulars on the show. And, uh, yeah, I hope everyone is well. I hope everyone is safe. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, talk about learning, uh, earning stripes. So I've got stripes on my jersey. So is Ashwin. That the, you, you, you're letting us down here, uh, Bowie. You're not got any stripes on your on your on your top, I'm afraid. But I've, there we go. I've, yeah, I've I've got my. Well, this is a substitute to our number ones for the club. You know, so <laughs> close, <laughs> close. <laughs> oh dear. So um, uh, some of the stuff to talk to go over tonight. Uh, we'll be going over Super Rugby, um, the the COVID impact, uh, and um a few uh, new signings and uh, some talking about refereeing, obviously. Um, we'll have a chat about the Six Nations and, oh, yes, refereeing yet again. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. On the best rest of referees, conversationalist. <laughs> Folks, it's, um, it's, going to be a, it's going to be an incredible show. You know, whenever the referees, the gift which never stops giving us <laughs> cannon for it. <laughs> It's going to be a great uh, show, that's for sure. We'll have a chat about COVID over there as well. Yes, COVID impacting both tournaments um, and, uh, unfortunately, some online abuse. Uh, the um, uh, We'll cover off on some news um, as well. So let's kick off with some news then. Uh, the uh, There's a number of tournaments going on, but the South Africa Preparation Series has uh, kicked off, or the, Fed or the uh, um, Franchise Cup, as I think they're calling it. Uh, it's... Uh, it's all a bit strange as to what's going on in South Africa at the moment, but um, 
they've uh, brought back the um, Eastern Province elephants, obviously, which are Eastern Province Kings was what they were used to be called. Um, so so uh, they only lost 87-10 to the Bulls. Uh, small, small one there for them. Uh, otherwise, um, the uh, Sharks beat the Grickass and the Lions beat the Pumas, as you expect. Um, but well done to the Cheetahs. They've uh, been pulled out of out of the Pro 14 and replaced by, well, the Stormers is one of the teams, and they beat the Stormers 33-34 to um, down there uh, away from home as well. So big result for the Cheetahs making a bit of a statement uh, in that one. It's been fun watching the Cheetahs uh, try and make more of a statement on, on that one um, as well. Um, the uh, um, All the games are on Sky. Thank you, Simon, for um, letting us know about that. Um, and... Uh, yeah, the Kings should uh, should stay away. And the, uh, look, Eastern Province is an absolute nightmare um, from an administration point of view, and that's not a direct hole I'm going to go down tonight. Um, I'm just going to breeze over this tournament, to be honest with you. Nothing much really apart from that yet. That's uh, um, trying to be, as this is preparation, ahead of the British and Irish Lions Tour that may, may not happen this year, next year, the year after. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but more interesting news, Charles Piertau. After all his talk, looks like he's actually going to front up and play a Tonga Sevens game uh, and move over to Tonga, Ashwin. Yeah, look, just um, coming, sort of started to see a few things this afternoon, late late evening, later, uh, sorry, late afternoon, evening. Uh, it sort of popped up um, on our news feeds coming through that uh, Charles Piatel is going to be playing for Tonga at the next World Cup. Um, now, I, it's a funny one. This is one of these ones that keeps coming back every year sort of thing, doesn't it? Uh, Charles Piertel is going to play for Tonga. But um, the situation remains, and unless there's been some changes due to COVID, um, I believe um, there's still some qualification parameters that he has to jump through. And uh, I don't believe that... Um, I, I don't know if they'll be able to be met because, okay, so from... And Boa's probably... And, and we'll, we'll know know this inside out because he's that type of guy. I believe it's two quali two tournaments that you have to pay... Play, pay, play... Um, in the seventh circuit um, to qualify to, to do your change of allegiance and there's still that five-year period as well, which obviously the five-year period's all fine, but there's still that little matter of playing two tournaments in the seventh circuit that he has to achieve. Now, two things on that side, or oh, actually there's two or three things on that side. Firstly, when is the world circuit going to start up again? Nobody knows because of COVID. And um, secondly, and thirdly, the two things are intertwined a bit, but he has to be a released by Bristol to go and play in two tournaments over two weekends. And obviously, probably the week before to get into training with the Tongan seven squadrons, he's just going to turn up for the weekend. And also, Bristol are going to want Tonga to pay some sort of for, pay for some insurance um, to cover him in case there's some sort of injury. Um, and can Tonga afford that? So, you know, I, I think it's just the, the, the standard fear of every year Charles Piertel going to play for Tonga type thing. I don't know if it will actually happen. Yeah, look, uh, it's it, there's a lot of hoop jumping. There's a lot of hoop jumping. And I think the biggest hoop, put, put, put aside the two mandatory tournaments, uh, he or any player for that matter, to prove the allegiance must play two mandatory uh, tournaments on the World 7 circuit. So, again, put the fact uh, that there is no World 7 series at the moment because of COVID. I don't think Bristol are going to actually release the guy because, you know, this this same situation arose with Semi Radradra. And, you know, they, they just didn't budge because Bristol are absolutely hell-bent on making sure that they get the best possible result and best value and return on their investment. So, they, they, you know, they've invested quite heavily in Charles Piatau and they're not just going to say, oh, yeah, look, let's let's help Tonga out. No one's going to do that. And this is this this constant mm -hmm. ongoing battle between club and country. So a bit of a catch-22. It's it, You know, it's exciting nonetheless. I, I hope that we can see more players who can uh, turn up for their country of origin. But... Uh, yeah, I, I just think that, you know, this is this is more affirmative action than anything else, really. Okay, I'm going to have to put, put you guys uh, straight on this one. Clearly, you guys haven't been reading up enough. Um, so, um, uh, to, to add to the qualifications, he also has to have a Tongan passport, um, but I don't think that's going to be an issue. Uh, no, but but uh, the um, 
it does look like he's going to be playing in the Monaco qualifi qualification event for the Olympics. So those those two um, tournaments he's got to play in have got to be Olympic qualification tournaments. They can't just be any any world tour tournament. So they have to be joined the Olympic, Olympic cycle or that Olympic year. Um, and uh, it does look like he is going to be uh, uh, putting himself available for that Monaco event, which is the final qualifier. Now, if they stick to the two events, that would mean Tonga would have to qualify for the Olympics and he would have to also play in the Olympics to change his qualification um, because Tonga aren't on the world tour. So that's why that's been the problem in the past is finding two qualification tournaments that he can actually play in um, because they've just not found because they just, they just don't have enough. It's normally just one tournament or and it's late notice, etc. cetera. Um, so I, I think in this case, I think Bristol probably would allow him purely because I think there's been so much publicity around it. Um, and it's a it's good PR for them to allow him to, to do that for um, uh, for them. Yes, they had some problems with Sam Radrada uh, around his injury and whether he should be playing for Fiji because he was injured. I think it was more than anything else um, during the uh, Autumn Nations Cup. Uh, but I think yeah, allowing Pierre Tao to go off and play. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Tonga play about four Test matches a year, maybe slightly more than that actually. Um, but um, they don't play very often. It's not a big. It's not a big loss for them, apart from in World Cup years. You know, honestly. Well, the Tongan Seven Squad had a few runs against the New Zealand Seven Squad not so long ago, and let me tell you, the results weren't so great. So this is a very tall, very very tall order for Tonga, and I hope they can climb this mountain because, you know, getting players, the funding in place, it's 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 all very difficult. So you know, the odds are against them. Uh, but let's let's hope for the best, and you know they can make a good fist out of it. So the Monaco Sevens is going ahead, is it? Oh, it's in June, so let's 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 not um, make any assumptions at the moment. Uh, but currently, yes. But um, well, I suppose it comes down to what's the COVID situation like in Monaco, right? I mean, like um, you, you, we're seeing sports in Europe, um, so it obviously comes down to individual governments and the like or whoever's governing monaco <laughs> the principality so hey um but it's a you know so i, I suppose it comes down to what what's re restrictions and things that they've got in place absolutely yeah it's going to depend on what the because I, I i don't think you can get into monaco itself without going through france so it's going to depend on on how um britain and france are getting on at the time because obviously charles Piertel being in uh, uh being in bristol um, and so, yeah, it depends on how those two are getting on. Brexit has made some has, has led to some interesting border issues, uh, such as one lorry driver being told he couldn't take his cheese and ham sandwich with him because that was, import, <laughs> that was importing food. So he had to leave his he had to leave his packed lunch behind. Um, so um, the, uh, yeah, so who knows what the complications of Brexit might be around this as well. So let's just uh, as I say, but but just coming uh, back to one thing, yes. Yeah, but just coming back to the fact is it's like, you know, so Charles Piotr has always said for the last three years when the, the, this has popped up or however long it's popped up, he said, oh, I want to play for Tonga. So that's not anything new. Him coming out and saying, I'm available for Tonga is nothing new. Um, we, 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 we've talked about, you know, it'd be good PR for Bristol. But if we're looking at track record, they haven't looked at releasing him to date. So I, I don't see what would change in their view. At the end of the day, Semi Radradra and Charles Piertau, along with a couple of others, are their marquee players. They would only be – all I could see is that it's a faux release in terms of he goes on the Saturday, as Simon's alluded to, he steps onto the field and then steps back off it, basically, and gets his qualification. That's all I can see them allowing him to do. Um, I can't see them actually doing a release because it's like, why would you? You're a professional club. He's one of your top players that helps you get a title. Why, you're just not going to risk your cattle. We've seen yeah. it with the, other teams the, as well. The, the inside word is that they're not going to budge. They're not going to budge. They're very, very difficult. on, And they, 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 they have absolutely no obligation to release anyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, they are paid employees. They expect them to do a certain amount of minutes. It's written into their contract. So if any release has to happen, you know, high performance has to agree. And there's, you know, lawyers get involved. It becomes messy. And of course, the other thing I have to say is with uh, with a team like Tonga, where they don't necessarily have all the resources, you know, 
going into biological bubbles, setting up camp, you know, it's a, it's a huge ask. It's a huge ask. So, you know, hence that's why I said the odds are really stacked against them. So it's going to be interesting. Being an Olympic qualifier, you'd expect world rugby to manage the whole thing um, because they're going to have, as you say, a whole bunch of teams there that just don't have the cash, especially in the sevens environment. To do so, so you're saying so, so World Rugby will stump up with the funds to, to actually have the team there? I would expect World Rugby to stump up, yeah, cover all the costs. Or maybe Prince book, Albert. Book, oh yeah, or Prince Albert. Book all, <laughs> book all the... Um, all the other, other issues, of the course. all and all that kind of stuff. Keep in mind, yeah. most of the players are, you know, amateurs. So that means they have to give up their day jobs. I'm not so sure that's because, you know, I deal with this on a daily basis with some of my club players who are, you know, because of COVID, they've they had to take extra shifts. They've lost jobs. They had to, you know, get other jobs. And, they just, and, you know, they just can't make it for training. So this is a huge ongoing uh, problem. And this transfers to, to some of these Pacific Islands teams. So this is going to be something, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a major concern. So unless someone like Prince Albert can actually bankroll some of these teams and say, all right, here's some money, make sure that, you know, you're... Household bills are taken care of, uh, so that means you know you can play rugby for X amount of time. I think, I think, well, I think for, for the actual tournament itself, I think they'll be fine, um, as you say. Uh, but any, any pre camps and stuff, I think it will be it will be just a turn up on the day and play. Um, but um, let's wait and see. I, I think he'll be released. You guys don't. Um, if it happens, we'll find out in June. Oh, just just finally, I don't think World Rugby can step in. They, they've never been able to step in with anything else. <laughs> what changes the scenario? I'm not sure. That because they don't own... You, you, how can you... Somebody's got a contract sign. It's a contractual thing. You can't then step in and say, you have to release that player. Especially if it's not in an international window. Well, whether this counts as an international window or not, from a seventh point of view, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. let's move on then. And... Um, Let's talk some Super Rugby and uh, the COVID impact of uh, that. Um, clearly, Auckland has moved to level three, the rest of the country to level two. Uh, and that means that uh, folks moving forward, that, uh, that this, the uh, level two, you, basically, they it's not economical enough, economical to open the stadiums. Uh, and so they'll be so behind closed doors. Uh, the Chiefs game against the Highlanders will be going ahead as planned on Friday. Um, but the Crusaders against Hurricanes has been moved to Sunday in the hope that we drop down to level one and fans uh, can be allowed into the stadium. Um, now, that's all good and well for you, for the, for, for the fans. But on a much more personal level, I was all lined up to have a media pass for the Chiefs. Unfortunately, now they've gone and um, said, sorry, Paul, but because of um, COVID, we our, our restriction on the number of media we can have. And... Uh, I'm sorry, you can't come this week. So, uh, so unfortunately, so even I can't go in. Look, it's COVID and stuff is all going well until it impacts me, and this is <laughs> dearing me. So, so, uh, so yeah. So, unfortunately, um, I won't be able to get to that game, folks. Uh, obviously, joking apart about the fact that it impacted me, but um, the uh, so unfortunately, no post-match interviews from me this weekend. It does mean that I'll be around to do post-match reaction to that game on Friday. Um, so we'll be live straight after the final whistle. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, a shame that, that I won't be able to get there to talk to them. I will, however, be on a on a uh, Zoom conference call tomorrow to hear the team naming and to ask um, Clayton McMillan some questions about naming his first team. Now that'll be embargoed until four thirty p.m. So uh, I'll let you all know uh, what he says after four thirty p.m. tomorrow on that selection. So looking forward to that um, happening tomorrow. Um, thank you to the Chiefs for letting me or for, for inviting me onto that um, uh, onto that conference call. Um, boys, what do you think? Uh, the right decision to move the Crusaders game, or should they just kept with it as it was and uh, just stop messing around and moving things around? No, that's a good call. Totally a good call. It's just like, why not? You got the opportunity to move it to a Sunday. It works, and there's a possibility you might be able to have a crowd. Why not? I, I was actually surprised. When the Crusaders did that, that the Chiefs didn't do it as well, and then sort of like work with New Zealand rugby to sort of say have the Crusaders game starting or, or one game starting at two thirty and the other game starting at five, sort of thing, or on the Sunday, sort of thing. So um, yeah, I think it's a it's a great idea to have that game on the Sunday to allow them to have 
crowds because at the end of the day we have I'm, I'm sure we've all watched sport now where there's been no crowd in the stadium and it's really just not the same is it there's, i don't know what it is maybe it's just the way that we're programmed it really watching that game is not the same as watching a game that's got a crowd there canned crowd does not work yeah totally i think having you know basically more fans you know the fans are a huge part of the sport mm. and i think from a coffers point of view it's good for the local economy and you know it's it's a good time for a good opportunity for people to come and have a good time so i think it's a masterstroke and also there'll be uh, there'll be certainly an anticipation there's there's going to be anticipation for the game anyway but given that we are switching down gears on hopefully to level 1 um i think it'll be a sell out more more than likely and uh, yeah i have to say ashwin uh, you know watching some of those uh, six nations games on tv it's it's like watching rugby in, in ghost town it is it is really really weird because you know we we, we saw some um, you know entertaining tries and some which shouldn't have been tries scored and then it's there's there's no atmosphere there's no cheering it's it's very weird it's very awkward so 100% i think it's a great idea and possibly uh the game for friday could have actually been held back as well possibly broadcasting time slots etc would have uh, dictated uh that is not being possible but i think yeah the more the more they delay the better the chance they have and looks like based on some of the testing numbers and positive or negative cases chances are we'll be in level 1 a lot quicker than we anticipate um i'll be honest well, like i've not been tracking that so i've got no idea um but some on just i just i think i should read out what uh, the uh the the gallagher chiefs um chief executive uh, michael collins um had to say he was disappointed um but understood the reasons so here's his uh, the quote uh, it's a tricky situation but when it comes to covid we are all committed to doing the right thing and taking a zero risk approach to the health and safety of our fans which means no crowds at level 2 we look closely at the possibility of playing on sunday but in the end we understand the rationale for only moving one match um we're lucky the match will be live on sky sport and i know gallagher chiefs fans will be glued to their televisions um or other devices to cheer on the team on friday night so um they did want to move it but uh decision between sky uh, and rugby new zealand was no uh and yeah i think sky want that friday night uh game because i think that's where because that's that's where the big audience is uh, if you put it on sunday afternoon when everyone's uh not been able to go shopping for a week and then if, i think you'll find the yeah a lot of i, I think their their tv market would have been down so i think yeah i i i understand why uh it, it didn't get moved Chiefs wanted it to be moved, so yeah, it's not on them. I guess is the main point I'd like to make. Yeah, I think yeah, Tunnel would have said that. Yeah, not a bad situation either, because you know, worldwide sport on TV audiences, Friday night feature games are something uh, really look forward to. So I think there'll be some good ratings. And either way, look, end of the day, there's a game happening. There'll be entertainment, and it'll be a good, high quality game as well. So end of the day, rugby is the winner, and you know, happy to happy to watch rugby one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, we're going to be watching it on a screen, so yeah, totally. <laughs> well, yeah, you guys wouldn't have travelled down anyway. So it's, it's, yeah, it's no different to you apart from the fact that the, the is the the crowd. Yeah, not, the crowd experience. Yeah, look, what did you say? Watching a game with a crowd is much better than watching a game without a crowd, which is why I've never understood why TV companies don't try and encourage people to go to the games, folks. Right? You know what? Those fans who go to games will be buying your subscription package to watch the away games, so you're not losing any money <laughs> either. Yeah. Um, get as many people in the grounds as possible and you're just all you're doing is increasing your audience not decreasing it but uh, there you go that's just uh, my view of the world Tight. um and, uh, and that's and it's any of you folks it's not necessarily it's not necessarily true it's just my opinion and i believe my opinion is always right so there you go um quite privilege <laughs> well, absolutely plm dude plm <laughs> and it's my channel so it's going to stay that way. But yeah, <laughs> I want to keep my privilege. Thank you very much. Next time remind me to take a knee, eh? <laughs> anyway, move on. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quickly, quickly. <laughs> You're going to get slight tastes to kind of uh, to some of the humor inside our our uh, our Facebook Messenger chat now <laughs> by the way, folks. Um Okay, so that's so that's the COVID impact, folks. Uh, yeah, it is what it is, um, and uh, the, the the best thing is that actually 
the game still going on. Uh, the Blues, though, still down in Wellington, um, I believe. Uh, or we're talking about change, moving to Cambridge um, to keep training. So hopefully um, they won't have been disrupted too much by this from a training point of view. Clearly, from family point of view, they will have been, and they'll be looking forward to getting home to their families. Um, I actually sometimes. think quite 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 the opposite. To tell you the truth, I mean it's only a week, so um, it's it's not an extended period like we're seeing three sporting codes that go to Australia and leave their families mm -hmm. behind for an entire season. So we're talking about a week, and I actually think it could work to the Blues' benefit in the amount of time that they can spend together um, to, to you know to be able to train to, and just gel and build that sort of you know i mean obviously the, this is actually quite the core group of this blue squad has been together for quite a few years but nothing's still you know even when that's happened to go away and stay as a team for a week i think there's got some massive benefits to it so they should really use leverage this to the best of their um advantage really um and take advantage of it fully Without a doubt, in high performance, the lesser the distractions, and I'm, I'm not trying to sound mean-spirited or ruthless here, but lesser the distractions, the better the chances of your performance being consistent week on, week out. So I'm expecting the Blues to really back up and put on a terrific performance, given that these guys are in that environment and they're really, you know, toughing it out. And I know this this, this group of players, they're, they're quite mentally, uh, they've got a good fortitude. So I'm expecting them to come out all guns blazing and get that W. So talking about people who need to have a good fortitude, let's talk about referees then. Oh. Um, the <laughs> or mental fortitude. Uh, I'm a bit disappointed I didn't watch the England-Wales game now. I haven't seen that one. Oh, well, no, we're not, we're not going to go on Six Nations yet. Let's just deal with Super Rugby. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just go Super Rugby first, yeah. Yeah, so Moody. Hands to the face. Ben O'Keefe has apparently come out and said that yes, slapping someone in the face four or five times is not a, is not allowed, and I should have given him a yellow card. Personally, I think you should give him a red card, but there you go. Um, well, well, you're not the only was... one. You're not the only one, though. So let, let's let's cover that off because you know uh, it's like so. Apparently, as I think it was, we discussed Paul beforehand. I saw it on Twitter um, from Jim, you know Jim Kay, so you know a reliable source of information that Ben O'Keefe uh, said on one of the Sky shows that um, he should have given a yellow card. And it's just like, it's just like, no, you're wrong. You shouldn't have given him a yellow card. You should have given him a red card. And it's just like, you know, before everybody goes, it's like, every that was the thread that came out after that. You know, when that, that tweet was put out, was everybody's going, yeah, red card, red card, red card. It is with force, direct contact with force to the head. That is by the letter of the law. What's in the red card book? So it's like, no, Ben, you're wrong. It's not a yellow card. It's a red card. Yeah, look, and look, nothing personal, but you know, this this whole saga with Ben O'Keefe and some of the referees. You now, this is this has been ongoing. The the problem is, I haven't got an issue referees making mistakes, and and you know, rugby is a fairly complex sport, and there are certain intricacies where you know, complex situations, especially at you know, elite level they will pop up and i have no issues where people will make errors where you know things aren't as clear cut but with very straightforward things like knock-ons uh contact to the head punching people beat with an open palm or, or whatever uh you know you know very very obvious forward passes and, and there was there's a good diet of this stuff uh right around the globe on the weekend but the problem is for some bizarre reason uh now if, if, if players and coaches have a bad game or a, ba a bad bunch of games, chances are they'll get dropped, right? They, they will pay a very heavy price. But for some reason, these professional referees who get paid to do this week in, week out, this is their job. Now, I'm not talking about volunteer referees who run around the weekend who have day jobs. We're talking about fully paid professionals. Some of the errors these guys make, everyone watching the game at home, in the ground, seem to get it right, but not these guys. So we have a problem here. This pattern is evolving. And unfortunately, because there's no accountability, uh, they seem to be rewarded with this skill-developing competence, which to me is just hey, absolute ludicrous. I'll throw a cherry on the top there, Boa. I'll throw a cherry on the top. Hang on, Paul. I'll hold you for a sec. Just for, uh, Because, like, you've just said that. Now, and this wasn't my thought, but as soon as I read it, it's like, oh, geez, how obvious was that? It's just like that decision with the red card, it wasn't even a real-time decision. They watched the replay and made the wrong call. It's just like, hang on. 
It's not. I mean, we we just said, look, we can make they can make real time calls and they miss it. You know, there's a lot to watch um, and, and to see what's happening in real time. But we're watching a replay and then making the wrong call. That's unforgivable. Oh, and as an Islanders fan said, oh, hey, yeah, look, he's apologised. Well, what's that mean for us? Well, I, yeah. at, at, least, okay, at least he has fronted up and apologised and come out and, 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 and taken responsibility for it. I think rather than just hiding away um, there, Simon says he's surprised he's been allowed to talk to Sky Sports. Look, I think there is definitely a move to kind of humanise and show the refs realise they're making mistakes uh, and come out and talk about them. Um, which I think is a is 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 a, is a good, probably a good move, um, on that one. Um, so um, look, winching out penalties, I get, yeah, no, I agree, and um, we, we, we'll we'll get on some of the stuff that's that's been very detrimental to the game in the Six Nations side of things, but we do need to sort these these incidents through. Um, yeah, and, the, thing uh, that, the thing is that the thing is that I'll go. Look, I. I... I do, I do. Like at the end of the day, eighty minutes is up, and you sort of think, "Hey, look, games and decisions made in real time. Maybe they should have gone back. Maybe they shouldn't. But game's over." But I'm sorry, when it comes down to when the TMO actually looks at the replay and makes the wrong call, well, you know, you got now you got four officials involved because they bring in the touch judges as well. I'm not going to call them assistant um, referees. They bring in the touch judges and they bring in the referee and they bring in the TMO. Four guys standing there making the wrong call. On yeah, a replay, and, and look, uh, Nocturnal makes a point. You know, refs need need to be support. I completely get that. So the point I'm trying to make is how these guys are being coached and trained and supported is probably the wrong method, and that's why these guys keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and there's no accountability. So th look, there's a very simple fix. If someone doesn't perform to the level they're supposed to, and consistently don't deliver that type of performance, get them out and get people who can. It's that simple. If you keep trying doing the same thing, expecting a different result, it's just not going to happen. It's the same with referees, same with players. When are these guys going to learn? I mean, to me, it's just ridiculous. Okay. Um, there is accountability. There are, they, they do have reviews of each of their games, etc. So there is some accountability. We don't see it all. I agree. Um, but there, there is an element there. Um, now, um, as you said, we need to move on from just, just, just hashing um, the uh, the same thing over and over again, but you're right. Improved support and better training of them is required uh, because we do need better things. Jordy Barrett's then kicking posts. Now, well, okay, go on. Common sense, and 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 this is what I talk about. Now, when I talk to my coaches, you know, we have certain systems and processes where we look at what's coming up and we prepare in a certain manner. So if we have certain players in certain positions, we will have a certain defensive pattern or, you know, how we're going to come up with it. So it's the same thing with referees at high performance. If you have a kicker who has a very high parabolic trajectory where he's getting more uh, vertical than lateral flat, surely standing directly under the, upright, uh, uh, the, the, the crossbar is not going to give you the best view. And we clearly saw that. So use a little bit of common sense and stand slightly behind so that they can get a better view of the trajectory. Now, guys, look, you know, my 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 eleven year old son made made that obvious statement and said, Dad, they're standing too close underneath the uprights. So a little bit of common sense needs to come into it. The problem here is someone somewhere in the referee society says, You're gonna stand here no matter what. So this this sort of nonsense needs to change. And we need now, to step. Disagree. This is the perfect place. You stand under the post, you look straight up, and you see well, the ball. Okay so, okay, so then how did they get it wrong? If it they was did, the perfect place, the they didn't point get is, it wrong. They, they, go, did, they, they, get, they got it right. They got the it right. Went over the top of the post. Went over the top of the post. Therefore, it's a miss. It was the correct call. It was the call. Yeah, because I mean, like, if you, I mean, to be fair, when I was watching it live in real time, <laughs> um, I thought it's gone over. And of course, the Wellington trio of commentators, uh, the Hurricane supporters of trio commentators said, oh, that's over, that's over, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, yeah, ooh, it's over. But I've subsequently watched replays of it after somebody, after it was pointed out that they, the referees called it going over the top of the post. And if it goes over the top of the post, then it's deemed to have missed. And it's like, oh, okay. And I've watched the replays after that. And it's like, actually, it quite clearly goes over the top of the post. And he's standing, as Paul says, in terms of parallax error, 
you you standing right underneath the post that is the best place to see something go right over the top of the post like that um so he was in the best position for that um for that instant incident but um you know to me watching the replays has quite clearly gone over the top of the post I, I, I disagree. I think the I think the positioning of the touch judges was completely wrong. They just need a little bit of common sense. And I'll, I'll give you another example. That first try where the Blues scored, you know, that pass was six metres forward. There was a touch judge right in, uh, the, you know, parallel oh, view six, of that. Six, six metres might be a bit of an exaggeration. Totally different issue than, than, than the kick. But anyway. Oh, but, but again, it, it this is what it comes down to. The the way these guys prepare and train there, there there's a question mark. But they just don't want to admit there's a problem. And especially when people are trying to, you know, tell people how to play the game. And and sometimes, you know, yeah. Anyway, I look, I can go on, guys, but the forward, the forward pass one, okay, understand. And and we can have but the We'll, dis- we'll disagree on the posting post ones. Arshan, I think that he was in the right place. You think he was in the wrong place. Let's okay. agree to disagree. Yep. Disagree. On, agree to disagree on that one. Moving on then to Six Nations. Right then. So, Wales scored two tries. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to talk about three tries in this one. I think there's, just, there's three issues, but uh, everyone's talking about two. So, the first one, referee tells um, Farrell to uh, go and uh, talk to his players about something. Quite fine. And you hear uh, Dan Bigger over the ref mics talking to referee and say, hey, look, please tell me as soon as I can take it, please. So clearly, Dan Bigger is totally switched on. And this was not a last-second decision. This was this was a couple of minutes beforehand where he's thinking exactly um, what – he knows what England are going to do. They're going to switch off. You then, if you look at England, the players on – as you, if you're looking at uh, – on, on the English left, move out to the wing to try and stop the kicks to the corner – the forwards stand in the middle where you'd expect them to be in case there's a um, tap and go. Um, and the players out to the other way basically turn their backs on the play. And that's the problem, is that England turned their backs on the play. They'd had their talking to. They were going back to position. They had time to get back to position, but the players turned their backs, weren't weren't uh, getting into position quickly, properly uh, and paying attention. And to me, I've got no problems with that first try. Had the referee called time back on? Yes. Clearly. Oh, okay. Then, yeah. I, I I haven't seen it, so I'm going on that, right? And this is like, if the referee's called time back on, then that's you need to get into position quicker. Now, to be fair, the players probably couldn't hear him. They were so far away, but anyway, but yes. Bella. Yeah, look, I, I, I went over the footage quite closely. And yeah, me personally, I don't have an issue with that. I think England need to have been a little bit more switched on. Um, I was talking to a number of referees over this very same thing. Um, one thing I have to say is, you know, the the the, the amount of time which was given to England, was probably a little lesser than what would have usually been given up. Usually, there's anywhere between 20 to 30 seconds. And again, that is, you know, subjective. Uh, so, yeah, again, I think England just, you know, need to be a little bit switched on. And I was, I was, I was, I was, I was actually more disappointed at the way how Owen Farrell went on at the referee. Uh, you know, it was just... It was not on really, and it's just not the right example, especially when you're kids watching that sort of thing. And that sort of thing just needs to be completely stamped out, no matter how right or wrong the referee is. You just do not argue in that manner. Now, one referee said, "The weekend said you're the captain. You can ask me the question. I've answered the question. That's it. Conversation over." And I thought that, yep, exactly. That that's what we want to see. It's quite interesting, you know, you're saying that, and obviously Owen Farrell, and we've we've seen this with Blues captains over the years, and the fact is that they don't know how to talk to a referee, right? And um, it's funny because I'm taking it right down to the schoolboy level as well, which me, you know, as I coach cricket and rugby, and it's just like, we've, we've got two kids in our cricket team, and actually, ironically, both in the rugby team as well, one of them's the son, and it's just like, oh, the referee did this and the referee did that. And it's just like, oh, he told the referee that I touched or, you know, touch, I did the touch. It's like, you don't know how to talk to the referee. You're not talking. You don't yell at him. You don't, you know, cry about it. You talk to him. And it's like, you don't do it right. You look at the other teams because the other teams actually do because they're a bit older. They're playing against some older kids. And it's like, they do. They, they talk. And it's just like, it's really is an art of how you can talk to an official. Richie had it, right? We know that. There's places like that. <laughs> Just know how there's a way to talk to officials. And really, that comes down to whether you're a good communicator or not as well. 
Uh, look, yep. now, next week, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a rule change saying if something like this happens, there has to be a mandatory 30-second period before the attacking team. Remember, remember Rackgate and Italy, how they, they didn't contest the they Rack. Changed it. Yeah. They changed yeah. it, yeah. So, Absolutely. Yeah. A week later. Hey, I just want to also I, I, say, just I, I, to I, I think we'll probably, we'll probably see the referee turn out the defending. Are you ready? Something similar <laughs> happened when Ireland played Springboks. I mean, John Schmidt was captain at Lansdowne Road. In an identical situation. Uh, again, it was controversial. There wasn't enough time. So, I think uh, if the, the, going forward, the easiest thing would be saying, look, we're going to give the, def you know, the defending skipper who needs to speak to the uh, players at least 20 to 30 seconds. And then, you know, Thumbs up from the ref. Just, just simplify it. Something like that, so that well, there's no whinging and moaning. But the thing is that I was going to sort of say, like, I like the fact that the game just started and it it, it got started. Okay, the fact that England wasn't ready um, is bad luck on them, um, because even when it's my team or the opposition team, I don't care. When I'm watching and the captain comes up and goes, "Oh, can I have a word to my boys?" It's like, oh piss off and the commentators say it as well they're not they're not going up there and saying okay boys we're not giving away any penalties now we're not going to give any away penalties we're going to be clean they're not saying that at all we know that it's all a load of bollocks it's to slow the game down so they can regroup do their breathe in exercise and then get on with the game and slow the momentum of the opposition that's what it's about so the fact that what happened on the weekend happened is great okay try number two because i've got two more to get through um, okay <clears throat> The player catches the the, the, the pass begins the player. The player juggles it, drops it, hits his leg, bounces backwards. Eat clear, knock on. The player never gained control of the ball. Um, the, the player has juggled it forwards. It's come out of his hand. It's come out. It's come out of the hands forwards as well, which we talk about when passing. The fact that it hits his thigh and then bounces backwards is irrelevant. Irrelevant. Um, and uh, it should have been called a. It should have been called a knock on. Um, so, again, another TMO reviewed situation that you get wrong. You think you've got all the time in the world and you still get it wrong. And everyone watching knows the law, but the TMO doesn't. Hang on. I got Same. roasted along, this, uh, along these lines last year when Rico wasn't given his try. Because at the end of the day, I never left his hand. And so, therefore, it's never been a knock-on until it leaves the hand. So, well, no, this has left the hand, right? So, oh, you're yeah. talking about control. So, we're talking about, no. what we're talking about here is control. So he touches the ball about four or five times. Yeah, and uh, then he's never, never, yeah, so he's never had control though, but that's yeah. the key thing is he's never had control, and that's the thing is that you have to maintain control. Yeah, yeah. So in, in this instance, Reese Summit clearly the ball was propelled forward, he had no control, then it hits his thigh. Whatever happens after that is relevant. So knock on all day. Uh, they went over it, went over it, and then they decided to vote the try. Absolutely yeah, they, flabbergasted and speechless. And the other thing about that is that they actually introduced the law, the anti-Carlos law, many years ago. Because if you remember, Carlos Spencer Carlos used to do law. the, well, he he used to do the um the kick off the um, head off the thigh, and so that was very successful for him. He got a ah, few right. tries out of that. And then they went and changed the law that you can't kick off the thigh. So let's say that they said, oh, he had control in the hand. Well, you still can't kick it off the thigh anyway. Oh, and it was the rear. It was the rear of the thigh. If you're doing, if you're kicking with the, the back side of your thigh, well done. <laughs> um, look, and, and, and gentlemen, th these are the sort of errors which which really dumbfound me at the professional level. You know, these sort of errors shouldn't be happening, but it happened with all the technology, with three people getting involved, and they still got it four. wrong. So, yeah, okay, four. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 yeah. and, and to, be, to, to give the commentators the due, they they were like, wow, <laughs> they they were flabbergasted too. Try number three then. Um, scrum penalty, I think it was, or it was a scrum or right penalty. Um, the, uh, uh, the the scrum half referee um, calls penalty. Uh, the scrum half takes a tap and goes. And England again caught napping. It's in front of their post and he goes and scores. Um, so number one, fall on fall on me if if sorry fall on uh, me uh, you if you if um, if you if you if you trip me once fall on me if you trip me twice. England wake up with players turning their back and not paying attention. But to be fair, to, to my mind, the penalty, the point of the penalty should be where the infringement is, not to the side. And the referee was standing to the side of the scrum, gives a penalty, and the player takes it from where he, from, from there. To me, 
a technicality. I say England shouldn't have allowed that try because they shouldn't have gone to sleep. But for me, I, um, also a bit, a bit questionable about where the penalty was taken from in that case. And no one seems to be ta- no one seems to be even talking about that one. But there you go. Interesting. Um, to the letter, to the letter of the law, that is not a try. You're absolutely correct. You have to take yep. the, the 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 quick tap on the mark the or directly behind it, not onto the side. So technically, no try. But again, England got caught napping, and I think that exposed yep. that part of their game more than anything else. The the other thing is that you know you also that that one's actually something that gets missed a lot. There is a number of times when the uh, halfbacks will take that quick tap nowhere near the mark and the referee doesn't call it up so it's not an unusual miss that no, one it is something that happens quite regularly and even with all of that happening england still even the game up with about uh, 10 or 15 minutes to go at 26 all i think it was um and proceeded to lose it from there so even with all of those refereeing issues um that say uh, as, as you can agree or disagree with at least one of them was um i think pretty much everyone says was was, was, was incorrect um but even with all that you need to take the referee out of the equation and win the game yourself. England got themselves back to even Stevens, 26 all, and from there they lost the game. So, so for my mind, no complaints at all. You can't blame the referee for this game because you got yourself back into a position to win it and you lost it from there. Yeah, and 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 also Maro Itoje, those penalties, you know, there's those five. I thought the second time when he that deliberate knock on, it's it's pretty pretty crystal clear. You, you know, hmm. you just can't do that. So that's that's a straight yellow card. So this highlights more the inconsistencies, yeah, of England along combined and helped by uh the incompetence of the referee. But if you if you if you look at the uh the situation with Maro Itoje, you know that you could argue that clearly helped England because he wasn't binned even after giving five penalties back to back yeah. to back. So I, you know, there's there's been talk about uh, you know how the ref was a has got a Welsh passport and blah 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 and all that sort of stuff. So I, I don't think uh, it's it's anything to do with you know bias or uh, him being crooked or bent. It's just incompetence has been perceived by one group of fans that you know it. Uh, incorrectly influenced the outcome of the game and it, it helped one particular team. It's just outright incompetence in my eyes. I don't think I don't think it decided the outcome of the game. Uh, it decided the situation up to a, but England, even with all of that, still got themselves in, in the position. game. They could have won it. Callum Sheedy, as Craig says, had a really good game and closed it out well. I agree. I agree. But yeah. this is what, you know, this is the sentiment on social media and most of the rugby yeah. sites, you know. Uh, just talking about your five penalties, I actually really, really, really want to see uh, just an across-the-board, um, I suppose, I don't know if you call it a law or what you would call it, but after a certain number of penalties, it's an automatic yellow card. No warnings, nothing like that. Just give a bloody yellow card. Yes. Classic, both Super Rugby games, obviously from the Wales-England game, the, the, the Highlanders... Crusaders game, the, the Canes, Auckland uh, Blues game, same deal, right? Crusaders gave away how many penalties and they finally get a yellow card. Canes gave away how many penalties before they got the yellow card. And then, ironically, in that situation with what I'm talking about, or Blues give away two penalties and the referee warns them. It's like, what the hell? Where's the consistency in that? But realistically speaking, I believe three penalties, yellow card. Three penalties, yellow card. And it doesn't matter if you've got a man in the bin. If you give another three penalties away, you can have two, you can have three, whatever amount of players in the bin if you keep giving away yellow cards. Because like what we saw with that Hurricanes-Blues game is that the Hurricanes ended up with a player in the bin. The Blues, although they idiots, but anyway, we won't go into that side of things. But they got some more penalties straight after that. Now it's like the clock's reset, but that's wrong. No, the clock doesn't reset. They're still giving away penalties. Another yellow card. You want the penalties to stop. So, so gentlemen, I, I, be, between I the three of us, we, you know, between the three of us, we can easily, easily give us, give us to run the refs for two weeks. We'll sort this mess out. No, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm being very serious because look, what, what is actually missing is a little bit of pragmatism and common sense. Common sense. They're just, yeah, they're just trying to complicate a game which should be allowed to play freely and enjoy. But instead, they, you know, they pick on the most, uh, you know, the, the issues which are anomalies, which happen one in 120 games, and yep. then they fester around it. Whereas they ignore the very obvious, simple stuff. Now, 
at the end of the day, this game was decided basically on team selection. Um, and I'm just going to bring up as uh, some BBC showed. Now, um, on the left, you can see various players um, who have uh, been uh, playing for England. Test minutes under Jones now, to be fair. This is since 2015, folks. So, that, so, look, so those, those numbers there, those test numbers under Eddie Jones aren't just this year. They are. Um, so so there, this isn't really apples with apples. But the important thing here is this club minutes this, this year. Right. Owen Farrell, who is starting for England. Mario Toji, who's starting for England. Elliot Daly, who's starting for England. Billy Vinopola, who's starting for England. Four players there have had no club rugby at all and are being expected to step up to international rugby straight away. Now, um, is that injuries? No, nope, Saracen's being relegated. Yeah, um, I mean, so, Billy Vanipula uh, came, came out the week before and publicly stated that he's been playing rubbish and he shouldn't be selected. So, yep. <laughs> what happens when he gets selected? <laughs> it comes, yeah, it comes down to the situation where the, uh, the look, England have got a problem that they've got so many of their players playing in Sar play for Saracens who haven't been loaned out to other teams, haven't had any rugby, and funnily enough, England aren't playing well. No surprise there. Um, so uh, should, how much can we read from this Six Nations and England's performances from it? I'm not really sure um, in the long term. I'm not sure we should read too much into it because so many of those players uh, just have not had um, any club rugby. Well, can I, we just... I, I would disagree yeah, sorry, with the poll uh, because I, I think you know our, England have to really look at this situation because unless they remedy this and get these players spots in other clubs and get good quality run-on time and game time to get their fitness up. This is going to be an issue. This is definitely going to be an issue. And this is something where high performance needs to get involved and make sure that they can force uh, the contractual side of things so that these players don't step in cold. And 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 to me, this had aspect of Eddie Jones trying to recycle his tried and tested as opposed to stepping out of his comfort zone. And he's since paid a very heavy price. I mean, look, they, they'll get Saracens will get promoted. We'll be back in the top top flight next season, so in September October time, um, and they'll be back to back to So, so in in the in the in the short term, it's an issue. In the medium to long term, um, I, I don't think there's that much we can read, I say, into these games, um, really. Um, so yes, that, that's that, 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 that's my my take on. Um, on, on people who people are going, oh look, how, how have England um, become so much worse than they were last year when they basically didn't lose any games or lost one game or something silly? Um, yeah, that's why. Austin, um, just a question because we haven't digressed much tonight, just a little bit. This is like just on that Saracen side of things. It's like, yep. so they haven't been playing because of salary salary cap issue, or so, so they, so they well, why don't they play? So they've, they've been relegated down to the championship. The championship, yep. because of COVID, um, hasn't been basically hasn't happened yet. Hasn't started. Um, they've played a couple right. of friendlies where they didn't play, where they didn't pick their top players. Um, so right. that's why. Ah, yep. Okay, so it hasn't actually the games haven't been played at that level, right? Yep. And also the um, short term, I mean, you know, the championship, the intensity is is kind of like a, it's probably you know Auckland club rugby or maybe slightly higher. That means that the Saracens are going to pump everybody then, aren't they? You well, would think. Except Ealing Trailfinders have decided that that uh, the way is, is that they, they would like to be promoted. And so they've gone out and just bought international players. So Ealing Trailfinders actually are uh, are also a decent side at that level. Do they have five or six British and Irish Lions to put into their side? No. <laughs> but even but they, uh, there, 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 is a, there is a small chance. It is a small chance. Of an upset and Saracens don't get promoted, and uh, then there's uh, obviously the talk of ring or the the Premiership is going to be ring fenced and no one's going to get relegated this year. Um, as because well, of COVID. because of because of yes, because of COVID, um, or or in reality because they'll lose either Gloucester or Leicester, I think it is, and they'll lose a big team rather than Worcester or Newcastle, who they don't really care about if they lose. Um, it's so, not yet. so effectively Saracens might not be able to move up then. If they don't relegate anybody from the Premiership, how can they move somebody up? Uh, well, they're going to be 13 teams next year rather than 12. They're going to expand oh. it. But it would be, I, I think it'd be ironic. Well, not ironic. It'd be right <laughs> if that did happen, that Saracens didn't move up because it'd be a fair punishment then. Uh, a legitimately fair punishment, yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
but that is that that is rabbit hole we're not going to go down for the next hour um so um uh scotland uh, france scotland got uh, got postponed um now it's come out that uh, the uh, french um head coach decided uh, fabian galtier decided that he would leave the bubble to go watch his his son play rugby um now the uh, the 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 french union have come out and said that's okay that's allowed it's like do you have a bubble or not hello have you learned anything yet um so clearly europe haven't learned anything about covid uh, and if you ought to feel wearing masks seriously folks the mask has to cover the nose it's totally pointless <laughs> wearing a mask but it doesn't cover your nose okay putting it around your chin and so then then watching the tv screen you go oh, i'm on camera and putting it over your face, also a waste of time. Folks, you should have learned by now how to wear a mask. Crying out loud. Um, but it's, it's so common. It's so common. It's just like you go to the supermarket and everybody's got their mask on here. And it's just like, don't you breathe through your nose? Maybe they don't. <laughs> As we get, get, get around with pegs. Anyone anyone who has who has a mask down below their nose, just peg, put a peg on their nose. Right, there you go. Well, that pull, pull up the mask and then put a peg on their nose. <laughs> yeah, guys. Uh, one other thing I have to say is, with the referees, we, we actually didn't point out one of the biggest blunders or non-events. Uh, Italy, we um, Ireland, Italy's third try or would be try. Uh, the greatest referee or one of the greatest referees in the world, Romain Point. He was a TMO. You, uh, if you, uh, and I cut a long story short. There are a lot, a lot of tweets on social media, and there, there's a question. The, the common question was, was he, A, asleep, two, gone to the toilet, or three, ordered a cup of coffee? <laughs> so, look, it, look, it, it got farcical. It was, it was farcical. It was a try was scored. Uh, it didn't happen. And, yeah, it was, it was really confusing. And, and, and guys, this is... This oh, is yes, yes. I know, I know what you're talking about now. Yes, so, yeah. One of the, yeah. yeah, I, I, yeah. You, you can, you, the camera angle clearly shows he's put the ball down, <sighs> um, and it's a try. Uh, but the TMO decides that it's a knock-on. Like, no, no, look. Go, okay. So anyway, yeah, we're not going we to we'll get back there again. Yeah, oh, look, it's just, it's time we got a bunch of new officials who could actually do their job. There's no point. This is like recycling garbage on your curbside. Same guys, just get recycled, recycle. Get rid of them. Get people who can do their job. Don't keep them too long at the same spot. Make sure that you, you know, you train and teach these people in the right way. And just... Use a little bit of common sense. Right. Moving on. We've, we've, heard, we've heard that already. Um, finally, then, online abuse. Now, folks, a player not clapping as the other position, as the other opposition, as the opposition walks through the tunnel is not ground for death threats. Okay. Let's just <laughs> let's just make this nice and clear for you. Um, players, not every single player in a tunnel when you both when you both tunnel off off from a game. Not everyone claps. Some people do. Some people don't. It's all okay. Um, so yes, Carl Sinclair, I think it was. Um, oh, sorry, Ellis Ellis Genge. Ellis Genge. Ellis Genge getting oh, death threats for, for 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 not um, for not clapping off the Welsh players. Really, folks. Um, rugby values, yeah. Respect, I think not. Give me a give me a break. Um, rugby needs to wake up and realise that actually uh, these things just aren't there anymore. Um, if they ever were, to be honest, uh, it's we, it is nice that people players do shake hands after they come off the pitch after trying to beat each other up for eighty minutes. That's fine, um, but some um, folks, um, the uh, the level of respect uh, uh, and value rugby values, um, yeah, shaking hands and then people giving death threats. Sorry, uh, it, it's gone out the window. You know, when no. I when I first saw this, I I thought it was a bit of a joke, so I read it again. I was um, I was blown away, and yeah, look, simple message: if anyone has any beef, uh, you know, have, have a robust conversation about. It. You know, talk it like, you know, mature adults. I mean, trying to threaten people with death for not clapping is just yeah, it's very archaic and very. It's not on. It's actually quite disturbing. So, if any any of those people who made those threats are watching, you need help. Um, yeah, that's that's just. That's wrong. Yeah, we need also, to be kind. Sonny McLaughlin, okay, um, interviewed uh, Owen Farrell after the game. Uh, now, uh, in my mind, not her best interview. Uh, look, she is a professional. She's very good at what she does on the whole. Uh, not, now, to my mind, not her best interview. I think that, that she should have 
uh, basically asked about maybe two questions about refereeing rather than make the whole interview, interview about refereeing. But again, abuse online to the level where she sat in her car crying afterwards is not acceptable, folks. Um, did what was what was that her best piece of work? To my mind, no. Um, does that mean she should get abused to the level of of crying in her car? No, it doesn't, folks. People have good and bad interviews. People have good and good and bad days at the office. Chill out, relax a bit, um, and be 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 kind. Be kind. Be kind. Referees, Boa. Paul, be kind. I'm, I'm, oh, I am. I am. I am very kind. I, I just asked the hard questions, which they run away from. <laughs> Big difference between the two. I, I, I'm, the, I'm the first person, and, and, and as, I, as I said with this whole, whole Owen Farrell thing, you know, whether no matter how right or wrong the decision is, you have to always respect the official on the field. You've got to respect the position. You know, afterwards, you can, there are processes you can go through and you can have a robust discussion. And that's probably what we're doing here. Um, uh, Paul, I have to uh, disagree. I, I thought there was nothing wrong with uh, what the questions she asked. She asked it kept probing away to get the answer because the reality is so far none of the other uh, presenters have asked the, those hard questions so i don't think there's anything wrong with it and also what's worse is for for anyone to go and sit in a car and be in tears because of all the online abuse i mean come on what's this world coming to so again i go back to what i said before have a robust conversation you know don't don't sort of uh, it's it's very uh, it's very juvenile, these sort of things. So people need to grow up. But me personally, I didn't see any anything wrong. You have to ask these hard questions. And maybe we will see some some sort of result as a consequence of her asking those questions. Uh, yeah, look, we, we're allowed different different opinions as to whether she was asking whether she had Absolutely. any good or not. Absolutely. Um, and that's fine. Uh, so... Um, the, I um, think, in, I, to be honest with you, I haven't seen the interview, but if, if, between with what Bo was saying, it's just like actually, I'm I don't don't watch pre-game shows. I don't watch after-match shows apart from ours, of course, because ours is different. Ours is much better. I, I don't watch the new reporters on the news for general news because they don't do journalism anymore. They don't ask probing questions. They don't go and dig deep into anything. Really, it's just patsy questions that they ask. Um, no, you know, so it's it's all a waste of time. So it's not really worth watching any of that stuff anyway. And it sounds like if she was doing a bit of probing, then that's what actually we want to see. We actually want to get answers that for what people are thinking or we're doing out there or whatever. Don't really want the patsy questions going out there. It was like, oh, that was a tough game. And, you know, the opposition really brought it to you, didn't they? Yeah, and, and, and also, and also what, 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 what Simon Hughes says is absolutely right. They can't answer. Now, I would have loved to have seen Owen Farrell say, yeah, you know what? The referee was absolutely crap. He ripped us. And I, I, I will quote a quote from the um, Breaking Bad show. Uh, Tuco, Tuco, the bad guy goes, sometimes you have to rob to keep your riches. I wish, I wish someone came out and said it how it is. Because Owen Farrell basically said, oh, look, I can't talk about the referees. That's not for us. Well, come on, say something. Say, yeah, look, I, th I thought that was a pretty crap decision. Well, see, again, again, the the, but again, that's the wrong thing to say, right? He, he should have basically said, look, I can't comment on that because if I do, I will get fined or I'll get in trouble. That's why I can't comment on it. He should have said it like that because that's what the truth is rather than saying, oh, yeah, I don't want to comment on that. I said, no, just say it as it is. You can't comment on it because you will I'll get, get fined. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, uh, but but but, but hey, look, he he, he straight down to the question. Uh, I guess from, from my point, ask that two or three times. If after two or three on. times he is, he, yeah, move on and ask him something else um, about how his team uh, coped with the, the the Welsh defense or coped with the Welsh attack or something else, rather than just then asking him. So about Mario Toji, not uh, didn't didn't he get a lot of uh, a lot of penalties, and then keep asking more penalties questions. Anyway, that's just I say. The different, different. What, what Owen Farrell needs to do is do what Donald Trump used to do. He said, "You ask a question, and if he doesn't like it, next question." <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a great question. Next question. <laughs> oh dear. Right then. Thank you very much, guys. Um, uh, for for another fantastic show. Um, perhaps a bit. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll hopefully have more to talk about than just referees next week because, um, yeah, it's, uh, it becomes a broken record. Uh, there's only so many well, times we I was going to ask, Paul, um, did you guys talk about, did you guys talk about the um, Lions tour 
and um, op, op, or what what their sort of options that are floating around for the Lions tour. Have you did you speak about that last week, or has that happened in the last in this preview in the in between? Uh, well, we've talked about it several times. So basically, there's the option of basically either go to South Africa, uh, do it in the UK, or postpone a year or go to Australia. Yeah, um, yeah, because I mean, like, it sounded like in the last week, I think, or I wasn't sure whether it was before that. Well, it might have been the last week. Is the fact is that 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 Australian um, option seems to be gathering a bit of momentum around it, particularly with the dollars that have been talked about. Yeah, it seems to swing. It seems to swing around. Those those options to which one is the the preferred one and I, the, and yeah I say we've discussed all four of them before um, I think it's just a matter of waiting to see which one they actually go with. Okay, I'll let you close the show then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I don't believe that you've discussed it properly, and uh, I need to press further in terms of getting an answer out of you. <laughs> Maybe you should ask China that question. <laughs> oh dear! Oh, well. <laughs> right, then, folks. Um, for those, uh, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow at eight PM with the uh, standoff show uh, with the, the NRL kicking off this coming weekend. Uh, also, back on Thursday evening when we will preview the two Super Rugby Altera or Altera. Um, games and uh, two Super Rugby AU. Um, I did see a tweet saying that basically uh, no one on Sky could say um, Owl Taroa, and it's not Ouch Taroa, it's, it's Owl, O-W-L, Owl Taroa, um, was, was how she uh, finessically put it. Hopefully, I'm getting somewhere near it, guys. Um, put it? Owl Taroa. The... Uh, I think it was the lady who plays for um, Counties Manukau uh, and does some um, presenting. Oh, Ruby Tui. No. Oh, okay. Um, second brother. Anyway, um, gone blank. Sorry about her name. Sorry about that. Uh, so, um, yeah, we'll be previewing those on Thursday. Friday, join us straight after the final whistle of the Chiefs versus the Highlanders for post-match reaction. And uh, we'll be back at 8 p.m. on Sunday for the uh, review, Super Rugby Review Show. I didn't think there's any point doing a post-match reaction to a game that finishes at six o'clock when we're doing a review show at eight o'clock. So uh, no post-match reaction to the Crusaders about Hurricanes. We'll cover it all off during the uh, review show later in the evening. Thank you, guys, and uh, stay safe and uh, have a great week, folks. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.